Mifty down to Dungeon. Mifty. Yeah. Um, Mifty Pete. Mifty Pete. That's a way of saying like you're angry or you're mad. Don't be miffed and peeved. Miffed. Don't be miffed and peeved. <laughs> I don't want it. It's a real world. It's a real world. It's a real world. I don't use it. It's a real one. I don't use it. Not in your vocab? Down to dunk. Yes. This is Stephen Adams. Don't be miffed and peeved. No, you can't be miffed and peeved. Sorry. This is Stephen Adams. You can't be miffed and peeved because you're listening to Down to Dunk. Welcome to Down to Dunk. This is your host, Andrew Schleich, for part of DailyThunder.com. Also on Dash Radio, 5 o'clock Central Time. I'd like to thank Grady Carter of Metro Brokers of Oklahoma for sponsoring today's show. If you're looking to buy or sell a home in 2018, you need to get a jump start and you need to contact Grady, homeboyok.com, homeboyok on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. He will get you into the house of your dreams or help you sell the house that you're currently in. Grady knows everything about the Oklahoma City market. And best of all, he cares about people. After you are done buying or selling a home, you will feel like you have gained a friend in Grady Carter. He will do what's best for you and your family. And that's why you should contact Grady today. Grady wants to be your homeboy. I've got Matt Craig on the line. Matt, what is up? What's up? We've had a few days off. Thunder back in action tonight, but uh, there's a little more hope this time around than the last time we talked. There is, and uh, they play the Bulls tonight, which adds to that hope because the Chicago mm-hmm. Bulls are terrible, and they play. Uh, they killed them. They held them to 69 points uh, in Chicago, and then they play them again tonight uh, in OKC. So it uh, should be a little confidence builder before they go into San Antonio on Friday. Uh, let's go into, let's just, we're going to knock out these Twitter questions. Uh, we got a lot of questions, so I thank you guys for asking. If you are like, I don't know how to ask a question to these guys, twitter.com backslash down to dunk. You can ask us questions there. If you don't have a Twitter profile, it's pretty easy to set up, but ask us questions there. That's where we typically do it. Uh, first one from at Tyler beats one is mellow holding Paul George back. Ooh, you're starting with that one, the big one. Um, what do you think? What do I think? I mean, I said this last week whenever we were in a more dire state. I think Mello's role needs to be marginalized somewhat. I mean, I think he needs to be a clear floor spacing third option, uh, and we saw more of that this week, obviously one of the games he sat out. But... <clears throat> He's holding everyone back when he does his little post up 15 feet away from the basket and pound the ball and pound the ball and nothing else is happening. I mean, that that's a that's a, a motion that's selfish enough to hold every single player on the, the court back. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I would say yes. I would say the answer to the question is yes, but it's not like a malicious thing, you know, and, and we'll see if uh, Carmelo changes. He had three assists in the game against Clippers, which mm-hmm. doesn't seem like a lot, but for a guy averaging 1.6 on the season, I mean, that's something. Um, and I and I would say that, like, he's just hardwired a certain way, <laughs> and Billy Donovan and the whole team just has to keep pushing him to move the ball, keep pushing him to set screens off the ball and do other things because he, his programming is just so specific at this point in his career. Mm-hmm. So I've, I dug in a little bit 
for this one. I dug into some stats and some of these stats are not useful. I understand that there's not enough of a sample size, but this definitely tells the kind of the story of what has happened so far. So per NBA Wowie, if you don't visit NBA Wowie, it's a great uh, NBA stat site. Uh, with Carmelo on the court, Paul George uh, per uh, per possession is 1.15 points per possession, which is, I mean, that's pretty good. And then without Melo, he's 1.24. So he's a little bit better with Melo off the floor, uh, which is understandable because Paul George gets more shots. He's able to, he's, I mean, he's obviously able to create his own shot with ease. And he showed that the past two games. Uh, but you look at some lineup data and you have, so this this lineup, the starting lineup without Steven Adams has been a plus 13 and with Mello. And so that was in the Clippers game. Like they played pretty well together. And then what's what's kind of interesting is that if you take Mello out and put in Jeremy Grant, um, it's a minus nine. Um, that, that lineup is a minus nine. So you think like take Mello off the court, add like a spot up shooter or just like this athlete out there. Uh, no, it's not better. Uh, but I think that the question could be, is Andre Robertson holding back Paul George? Yeah. Because Robertson, if you take him out and add Alex Abrinas, it's a plus, they're a plus nine when, with Robertson off. Um, and so you, in all the minutes that they played together, Abrinas and Paul George, on 112 minutes, they're a plus 71. And that's really good. Yeah, really good. <laughs> With Robertson and Paul George on the floor in 225 minutes, they're only a plus seven, which has improved because last week they were like a minus like 13 or something like that. So it's getting better and they're getting more chemistry. But with Paul George and Mello, they're a plus 49 together. So I don't think that it's necessarily Carmelo holding him back because they have been good as a tandem together on the court. I think it more of it's like using, I think a lot of it's Dre, in, in my opinion. And I think that having Dre on the court with those big three encourages ISO ball because there's one guy that you just don't pass it to, or at least you don't want to pass it to. And I think that encourages those guys to take more dribbles and to take more jump shots uh, than it would if you had like an Alex Abrinas out there, if you had even a Josh Hustis out there, a guy that you feel like you can throw it to and they can hit a three. Um, so to me, and I and Robertson has been better on defense lately, and he's been a, a little bit of a better offensive player because he's been hanging around the basket. Uh, and I don't love to just pile on Andre Robertson, but he has not had a good season so far. And he hasn't really been that guy. He's been that guy in maybe like two or three games th- that he was last year where he was just such a great defender that you can't you know take him off the court. But at this point in the season, I would love to see more of Abrinas, with the starters or even like throw in a Josh Hustis uh, or something like that, or even, you know, go super big with a Patrick Patterson. Although the numbers don't look good on Patterson, that's because he hadn't shot the ball well at all so far this season. Um, but I think, I don't, I don't know that Mello is that big of a problem. And I think it's easy to, you know, take Mello out, Thunder win two games, Mello's a problem. You know, I mean, it's just mm-hmm. not, it, to me, it's not that simple. I think the Thunder obviously still had a lot of issues at the beginning of the Dallas game. And I think some of it's Robertson. I mean, for those people that say that, would you also like to take Steven Adams off the team? You know, right, <laughs> a guy exactly. that's been extremely good for the Thunder all season. I mean, I, I felt like, especially in the Clippers game, the game that Melo did play, there was more of him setting off ball actions. And I mean, there was just more 
of him doing the offense instead of stopping the offense. Mm-hmm. Um, so to me, Carmelo Anthony is a really good basketball player. Like no one can argue that. It was just, and I still think they're they're working on it, but it was just needing to get him to be involved in the offense and be helping Paul George out as opposed to just stopping the whole thing up. But I mean, everyone knows that that's ever watched a game and seen a Carmelo Anthony isolation. Right. And it's just easier to work with two stars rather than three. It's just just much more simple. And so it's going to look better now. Mello raises the ceiling of this team long-term. Does him coming back to the roster, make it a little bit more difficult for it to work? Sure. But if you're trying to compete for you know the Western Conference Finals or something like that, uh, you're going to want to have as much firepower as you can, and you want to be able to put the same your best five guys on the court. And some people are like saying, you know, we'd be better off to have McDermott and Canner here, you know, and maybe that's true for the regular for the regular season. And I think that they could you know be a you know 55 to 60 win team in the regular season. Uh, but the Thunder still could win like 53 or 54 games and be the three seed and be in a much better spot. Mm-hmm. Um, so. And there was yeah, there was just moments like in the Clipper game where Lou Williams switches on Carmelo and Carmelo just takes him down and scores twice. And mm-hmm. that's just he will score 95 percent of the time on that. And Doug McDermott isn't doing that. And and no. and the Clippers aren't switching Lou Williams onto Cantor. You know, that's like. A situation where Carmelo is just good, even if he's playing bad, he's just going to do some things like that. You know yep. that you know the the impact of that is ten times out of ten. So, mm-hmm. and Melo defensively has been better than advertised. He played Blake really well the other night, and you know, like you said, like you put Doug in that position, like he's going to be eaten alive. Like Doug McDermott maybe doesn't doesn't play a whole lot against the Clippers if they're going to try to play him at the four. So yep. I don't, I don't know. I, people, it's easy. Melo is a really easy target and I've been guilty of kind of nitpicking his game some, but I think that people that were going a little bit too far with this team would be better if he was just completely gone. Like, it could be the case in a few regular season games, but that's not the that's not the target with this with this roster. They, you know, they really could care less. You know what happens in November. Uh, that's not that's not their target. Yeah. They want to win, and they want to get. They really want to win a title. Um, but foreseeably, they'd love to get to the Western Conference Finals, and they're better off with Melo there. I'd like to thank Anchor Down and the press for sponsoring today's show. Go to Anchor Down tonight because you can one. Watch the game at Anchor Down with some buddies. Have a beer. Have a really great chicken cob salad. Eat some corn dogs. And just have a great time. Two, if you buy one beer, you'll get yourself entered in a contest to win Thunder tickets tonight to the Chicago Bulls game. So, you want to go to the game? You want to have a nice beer and a nice time at Anchor Down? This is the greatest time to do it. So, go check it out tonight. They are in... Deep Deuce, which is in downtown Oklahoma City off 2nd Street. So go check them out today. Also, The Press, brand new restaurant, opened in the plaza. It is fantastic. They have brunch there. Brunch is, brunch is just so good. If you don't love breakfast, I don't, know, I don't know what to tell you. This is the place to go if you love breakfast. So go check out their brunch on a daily basis. You can go in there for dinner as well. They've got great drinks. They have a chicken fried steak that is to die for. The press, it's brand new. It's beautiful. It's just a beautiful restaurant. Really cool inside. There's a lot of thought and detail put into really everything in there. So go check it out. 
Uh, it's in the plaza, brand new restaurant. So go eat at the press and then of course go watch games and hang out at anchor down and get yourself that chicken cup salad. Cause it's delicious and add the Buffalo sauce. Uh, let's see from Lorenzi W. Everybody knows Abrinas is a good shooter and why, and why didn't the coach design, why didn't the coach design some offensive sets for him to shine and contribute? In most of the games, he was wide open, yet he kept being ignored by his teammates, especially Mello and Felton. Was it because they lack confidence in him? Uh, that's 280 characters, people. Um, <laughs> uh, what do you think? That, what do you think about how they've used Abrinas? Yeah, I mean, Abrinas has not been used a lot, um, but I don't know that he's the type of guy that the Thunder are going to be, you know, running a lot of plays for and trying to get, you know, a ton of shots for. He's kind of just a floor spacer, and what he's able to do is help make life easier for everybody else. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say, is he being ignored by Mello and Felton because they lack confidence in him? Like, no, I, I feel like those guys just don't look to pass that often. <laughs> Um, and that's maybe not a, such a judgment of Alex Abrinas. He he was he's been better uh, this past week. I I think it was the Clipper game. Yeah, the oh, Clipper game Clipper. where he got he got hot a little bit. Um, and I I just think that that's the type of player he's going to be. They could definitely use some of the same sets that they have used this week on Paul George. Yeah. Um, when Paul George isn't in the game, they started using more of those like floppy underneath sets where Paul George can pick a side and come out for a shot. But when Paul George is in the game, he's proven I'd rather him taking those than Alex Abrinas. You know, as good of a shooter as Abrinas is, Paul George is definitely better. So um, I, I just think his role is to space the floor and make life better for other people. And if he gets an open look, he's got to he's got to knock it down, which he, he did in the, against the Clippers. But um, I'm not exactly sure that he needs to be retooled into some bigger role. Yeah, I I wrote down that I don't think it's a lack of confidence. I think it's a lack of familiarity with him and really playing together. Melo and Felton have played together before, so they know how each other play. And and frankly, Raymond Felton calls his own number a ton. Um, (laughs) So like that's a a big part of it. Uh, I, I just think that they need to figure out his spots and know that he... I mean, he was open several times, and it wasn't even... You know, Mello and Felton, it was Paul George a couple times uh, who didn't find him wide open in the corner. I just think it'll take time. I think that he'll end up getting more shots, and I think they need to emphasize it a little bit more. You know, if he could take, you know, five or six shots a game, you know, sometimes when we talk about this, it feels like, you know, Alex Abrinas needs to have 25 shots a game. Like, no, like, give him six and let him take, you know, at least four threes a game. And I think that that, I think that'll be a big boost to the second unit if they can start to try to find him. Uh, But they don't, like you said, they don't need to overhaul anything to make that happen. Uh, At Tyler Beats 1, is Josh Hustis good? (laughs) That's the eternal question, isn't it? It is. People love talking about Josh Hustis. I love it. Yeah, I mean, Josh Hustis, I'm I'm still a little confused as to why they didn't pick up his his incredibly cheap (sighs) contract option. Yeah. Um, I know they're pinching pennies because of the superstars at the top and how much money they're owing out next year, which is going to be crazy. And I feel like not enough people are talking about that. But as far as Houston's on the court, is he good? I, I mean, I think he gets talked up. I've, I've talked about this before. I think he gets talked up a little too much in that he's pretty good at a lot of things. 
um, and a net positive, you know, in a lot of things. And I think that then people talk about he's a great athlete and a lockdown defender and a knockdown three point shooter. Like, <laughs> no, he's he's pretty good at those things. He's a pretty good athlete. He's a he's a very good shot blocker. Uh, he's a pretty good defender. He's a pretty good three point shooter. But he's he's just so replaceable in the modern NBA. Um, and from the very, but even before the season, I called it, it was like, it's going to have to be him or Terrence Ferguson. Mm-hmm. And the Thunder have kind of gone back and forth on which one of those guys they like better and which one they want to play more. Um, Houston does some things that, that Robertson does not, obviously being able to space the floor and hit threes. Um, but I, I do think it needs to be stated how, replacement level he is <laughs> um i like his game a lot and i like him a lot as a person and a player but he's not he's not giving you something that you can't get you know a lot of other places yeah like his per 36 numbers aren't gonna like blow you away seven points five rebounds one assist you know 1.4 steals 2.2 blocks that's probably the most impressive thing he shot 36% from three this season, which is like, that's fantastic. If you can bring a guy off the bench that can defend a little bit and shoot threes, that's great. He's got like a 5.8 PER. Like he's not going to be a PER guy really because he's yeah. not incredibly efficient. Uh, but he's, I think the Thunder should use him more. Um, but you're right. Like he's not like Danny Green. Like people act like we've got Danny right. Green like buried right. at the end of our bench. Like he's not. Danny Green is an elite defender and uh josh is good he's he's the question is is he good yeah i think he's good but he's not great like he's 10th man good and if he can be the 10th man for the thunder which i think he should be then i think like that's a good role for him and the thunder may even be able to bring him back you know next season on the on a minimum deal where he's making you know about a million dollars less than he would have been uh, but if he does have a good rest of the season, shoots you know thirty eight percent from three and blocks two shots a game, and some teams like let's give him part of our mid level exception, then the Thunder will wave goodbye yeah. to Josh Eustis. And do I, I think that he could you know be good in a role somewhere? Um, and I do think that he should have a role on this team, but for whatever reason, Billy uh, hasn't really given him that consistently. And what will be interesting I, to me is if he plays when everybody's right. back. Yeah. I mean, I, I think part of it, and the reason why I don't think he's going to get a contract anywhere else is he just has a tendency to disappear into the flow of a game. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't really demand attention from the defense. He just kind of fits in, you know, gets in where he fits in is the, the phrase, but like yeah. he's not somebody that's going to leave his fingerprints on a game. And that's really frustrating. You know, when there's only so many minutes to dole out uh, as a coach, you know, you're, you look back and you're like, so what, you know, what did he do? He didn't screw up. You know, it's like, well, that's not really going to be enough uh, a lot of times. And so uh, I think that that's, that's part of the reason why I don't, I, I think the Thunder will be able to bring him back if they, you know, if it comes to that, because uh, he just has a tendency to disappear out there. And that that's too bad because he does have some redeeming qualities as we already talked about. Yeah. Uh, next question is from Josh M. Jeremiah. Do you think Kaner has a dartboard with the bronze face on it in his room? Absolutely. Uh, I think a more appropriate question is how many dartboards with faces does Kaner have in his room? <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Over under like five and a half. Uh, I don't know. I mean, he's somebody that is not afraid to take take on the battles of his team. Like yeah. he was the one talking trash to KD during the Warriors game last year from the bench. From the bench. Yep. <laughs> 
when he was not, I mean, uh, sure, he knew Kevin Durant, but like he was not even one of those guys that had been around for a long time, but he mm-hmm. was jumping to the front lines ready to fight. I just think he's a guy that likes having enemies, you know? Yeah. Maybe that motivates him or something like that. I think he's got at least six dartboards in his room. Well, and he's really figured, he's figured it out, in my opinion, because he's, I mean, he's a, he is who he is. He's a fantastic offensive player, a great rebounder, and that's really it. Like, I don't think he really has any other, like, great NBA skills other than those two, which are, like, those are good. They would have been better about 10 years ago, but today he's still a useful player. Uh, but he's, like, making his mark as, like, the best teammate. And, like, every city he goes to from now on is just going to absolutely love him. Like, he did it. He played it all wrong in Utah. Uh, nobody liked him in Utah. He ended up, you know, being awful to the crowd when he came back and more like a WWE guy than an NBA player. Uh, but he figured something out in OKC, and that's how to be, like, this lovable guy. And what you do is you go after opposing players that say something bad about your team. And if you go after them, then you will be beloved by whatever fan base it is. And that was true in Oklahoma City. And now it's true in New York. Uh, you know, LeBron had some Instagram post where he said that he was king of New York or something like that. And then they asked Kenner about it. And he said, we've already got a king. And it's Christoph Porzingis. And like, everybody's like, yeah, of course it is. Everybody everybody loves that kind of crap. Um it's so easy to manipulate fan bases, honestly, if oh, you're, if you're yeah. on the team. Yeah, no, he's figured it out. No, it's it's great. And he, I don't know, I love Ennis. He's such, he's such a, like, a good person. And I feel like he's kind of found his place in the NBA after kind of floundering some in Utah and really the beginnings of his, uh, his stint in OKC. But he's, I got, I got to give a shout out to Ennis because he has, you know, figured out his place and I, I love him. He's awesome. <laughs> uh, I agree. At drinking tea, does Dakari have the ugliest jump shot in the league? It's not good. It's not the it's not the ugliest in the league. It's uh it's pretty ugly. But out to about twelve feet, that thing is money. He's like he's like the old guy at the YMCA that has just the crazy chin shot. Yes, but he he has the one spot on the backboard that always hits it and it always goes down. Dakari Johnson's like that man. Out to out to about twelve feet, he he nails it. And and I was in Orlando this summer watching the summer league. He has a good little jump shot, not a lot of range, but he has a good little jump shot. He does. Like he is a he's a skilled big. He can pass it. He can shoot it out to 12 feet, like you said. He can score around the basket. Uh, he really has impressed me um, in this small stint that he's played, especially against DeAndre. Uh, just what he can do on the offensive end, his ability to set screens and keep you know bigs away from the basket, keep them off the offensive boards. And you know he found Abrinas for a three. He found Paul George for a three. Uh, I I don't know. I think that he's he's kind of a guy. He's like moderately a guy. And so if the Thunder need a backup center, and they probably will against San Antonio and against New Orleans, like he'll he'll be there. And I feel like they can use him with confidence at this point, which is something I didn't think they could. I thought that they were using two spots at the end of the bench, one for Collison and one for him, that were just absolutely wasted. Uh, but now I don't think that that's true. I think that they are—they found themselves a you know backup center or a third center that they can use in certain matchups. Yeah, I'll, I'll just say this from my time in Orlando: the sense I got around the team was that the Thunder organization was more willing to commit um, to Dakari Johnson than obviously Samaj Kristen, mm-hmm. even Josh Eustis. I mean, the team really felt dedicated to 
bringing Dakari Johnson along and really thinking that he could become something. Um, so I don't think he's going to be going anywhere. Yeah, that's really, it's been really interesting because I just thought he was going to get destroyed by DeAndre. I just thought his NBA career was over before it even started because he, his first assignment was starting against DeAndre, but he was, he was great. Yeah. Uh, Caleb underscore Jones underscore says Kevin Durant was the number one option on a team with Russell Westbrook and he was way more efficient and hard to guard. Uh, he's basically asking, should Paul George mm-hmm. be, you know, do what Kevin Durant did and be the number one scoring option for this team uh, just because he's more efficient and tougher to guard than Westbrook is? And then he puts these guys in order of like the pecking order on this team. Paul George, Westbrook, Adams, and Mello. Uh, what are your thoughts on that hierarchy? And then what are your thoughts on like the generally making Paul George the number one option? Well, I mean, I'll just say right off the bat, like, Paul George will not be the number one option on Thunder, and nor should he be. I mean, he's a very good player and a very good scorer, but Russell Westbrook is is just better. But I'll say this. The dynamic between Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook where they were the two guys and then the pieces around them were complementary is more of the model that I have the Thunder move toward you know, as the season progresses and sure, whether you rank mellow Adams, maybe, you know, different nights, it's different, but I, I would like those two to be at the top and then mellow and Adams, both kind of just trying to find their spots and pick their spots, um, with as role players, as very skilled and, and aggressive role players, but role players nonetheless. And then Russ and PG, they can kind of go back and forth on who has more shots and more points on any given night. I mean, the reason why Paul George has scored 42 and 37 points is because he's been shooting ridiculously from three and those spot up threes don't signal that he's going to you know be the guy taking an isolation at the very end of a game it's more just like he was open and he hit every single one of those shots um so i would say russ is your first option paul george is your second option but those are your two guys on any given night and then i would like to see mellow kind of take a step backward from three to like tied for fourth with Steven Adams um, in kind of the top role players category, if you will. Mm -hmm. How many shots should Melo have? I mean, he shot 12 against the Clippers, um, and that worked out pretty well there. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's going to depend a little bit, but I would like his range to be between 10 and 15. You know, that's kind of where Kevin Love was when the Cavs were most effective. And as I wrote this uh, Saturday that came out, I think the Cavs teams with Kevin Love are kind of the best analog that we can look at uh, for how to do this thing. And Kevin Love, 10 to 15 shots, I think that's probably the way to go. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. Uh, the The balancing of shots between those three has been strange, and it hasn't worked because it hasn't been like within the flow of anything. It's just felt like more. Let's try to be equal, and like that's not how basketball works. It's not. That's not how it should work, especially when you have two guys that are clearly a lot better than everybody else. Um, but yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. I think Adams will still end up with like the least amount of shots of those four, and I'm not sure that they should like look to like force it into Stephen Adams. I think the way that he's been used this season has been nearly perfect. Um, but yeah, Melo's going to have to sacrifice some of his shots uh, and give those to Paul George and to, and to Russ. And you know, Russ has got to be better. Like flat out, he has to be. If this team is going to reach their ceiling, he's got to be better. He hasn't been very efficient to start the season. He's been a little erratic, so he's. 
he's got to be better and you know we'll find out you know they have this this mini road trip san antonio and the pelicans those are reasonably tough games and then they have the toughest game of their season in golden state next wednesday so we'll really see kind of where they're at you know within these next you know three or four games so it'll be yeah i be interesting I agree with you entirely, but I, there's just no way Russell Westbrook continues to play like this for the whole season. Just no way. So yeah. I'm, while I agree with you, I do think it will change. Yeah. Uh, let's see. This will be our last question. Did Nick Collison teach Jeremy Grant how to take charges? <laughs> if so, what can we expect next? Backdoor bounce passes from Jeremy Grant. This is the, the 97 Gunner. All I want to know is when he starts buying hair product and doing the <laughs> the comb over Jeremy Grant with the comb over. I would give so much money to see. Uh, that's what I really want to see. That's when the transformation is complete. Um, but until then, yeah, it's all gravy. That's right. I'm fine with it. The charges have been nice. It's been a really, I'll tell you this. He didn't learn how to take charges in Philadelphia when he was on the Sixers. Mm-hmm. So he must have learned it from somebody in Oklahoma city. He's, uh, he has five charges on the season, and that's good for fifth. They're tied for fifth in the NBA with, like, four other guys. So uh, he's he has been impressive in that way. He's actually done a lot of really good things on the court this season. His three-point shooting isn't there, but I feel like he's a much improved player on the defensive end. Last year I kept saying, like, he looks like a good defender, but that's really about it. Uh, he doesn't play like a good defender. But this year I feel like he he's taken a step forward. Uh, as a defender and then really as an offensive player overall I feel like he's better uh, it would be nice to see more threes fall for him uh, but overall I feel like he's he's definitely an improved player which is a nice little bonus for OKC uh, Matt thanks for joining the show today we can follow you on Twitter at Mr. Matt Craig we can read uh, your articles on dailythunder.com that come out on Saturday so if you've missed those you can go back and look at those um, under his name on dailythunder.com and then you're at the field house with the athletic. Did I cover it all? Did I do it right? That's it. Mid-major basketball and thunder on Saturdays. Fantastic. You can follow us on Twitter at down to dunk. Please leave us a five star iTunes review. Uh, if you have a chance, if you listen all the time and you haven't done that, we'd really appreciate that. Uh, tell your friends and your family about our show. If you know people that love the thunder that don't listen to down to dunk, please tell them. Hope you guys have a wonderful Wednesday. Enjoy the Bulls game, and we'll talk to you guys again on Friday.